0: You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. This morning we hear God's Word in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools... Is in the house of pleasure. It is better to heed a wise man's rebuke than to listen to the song of fools. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. This too is meaningless. Extortion turns a wise man into a fool and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of a matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Do not say, Why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. Wisdom, like an inheritance, is a good thing and benefits those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter, as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowledge is this, that wisdom preserves the life of its possessor. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what He has made crooked? When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, Consider. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, a man cannot discover anything about his future. In this meaningless life of mine, I've seen both of these. A righteous man perishing in his righteousness and a wicked man living long in his wickedness. Do not be over righteous, neither be Overwise. Why destroy yourself? Do not be over wicked and do not be a fool. Why die before your time? It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. The man who fears God will avoid all extremes. Wisdom makes one wise man more powerful than ten rulers in a city. There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. Do not pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servant cursing you, for you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I tested by wisdom, and I said, I am determined to be wise, But this was beyond me. Whatever wisdom may be, it is far off and most profound. Who can discover it? So I turned my mind to understand, to investigate and to search out wisdom in the scheme of things, and to understand the stupidity of wickedness and the madness of folly. I find more bitter than death the woman who is a snare whose heart is a trap and whose hands are chains. The man who pleases God will escape her, but the sinner she will ensnare. Look, says the teacher, this is what I have discovered. Adding one thing to another to discover the scheme of things, while I was searching, but not finding, I found one upright man among a thousand but one upright woman, but not one upright woman among them all. This only have I found. God made mankind upright, but men have gone in search of many schemes. This morning we will focus on Ecclesiastes 7, verse 2, particularly the the first part. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, especially when we turn to the wisdom books of the Bible, like Ecclesiastes, we discover some pretty surprising things about wisdom. We discover that the wisdom which God teaches us is not afraid of handling It's not afraid of addressing some of the more perplexing issues of life. The wisdom which God teaches doesn't gloss over the hard edges and the difficult realities of life. The wisdom which God teaches doesn't back away from even the most infuriating happenings of life. Now, if that is the case with the wisdom literature of the Bible in general, it's certainly the case here in Ecclesiastes 7. Here in Ecclesiastes 7, we have the words of Kohelet, the teacher, or the preacher as he is sometimes called. He's introduced to us at the beginning of the book as the son of David who was king in Jerusalem, that is, Solomon. And here in Ecclesiastes 7, the teacher is using proverbial language. He's speaking in Proverbs. What are Proverbs? Well, Proverbs are short, pithy sayings which condense the wisdom of life experience. Short, pithy sayings which condense the wisdom of life experience. In fact, the Hebrew word for proverb, mashal, means to be like or to be compared with. And that's what Solomon does here in Ecclesiastes 7. He He compares a whole series of things. Life experiences and emotions, actions and attitudes. And he does this by giving a whole list of better-thans. Now the first better-than is quite innocuous in verse two. In verse one, rather. A good name is better than fine perfume. We can handle that one. That's not too tough. Solomon has us all nodding. Yes, it's true. A good name is better than fine perfume. Our nodding stops, though, with the ones that follow. First, the one that we find in in verse 1b, and the day of death is better than the day of birth. What was that you said? We ask, the day of death is better than the day of birth? A funeral is better than the birth of a baby? And then the one in verse 2. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. Mourning is better than feasting. Sorrow is better than laughter? Verse 3. And a sad face is good for the heart? Brothers and sisters, I suspect that if we heard this talk from just anyone, we would be highly offended. We would really doubt whether such a person has any clue what he's talking about. We would probably consider him rather morbid. In fact, we might even consider telling him a thing or two. But we're not going to do that this morning, are we, brothers and sisters? For it isn't just anyone who's addressing us this morning. God is speaking to us here in Ecclesiastes 7. Christ, our wisdom, is speaking to us. And we need to hear God speak to us, don't we? As church community especially here in Langley, we're still reeling from the hard happenings of this past week. The ugly enemy named death pressed up against us in a way that none of us was really prepared for. Now what are we supposed to do with all this? Should we just call it a week and go on with life again? Should we exit the house of mourning as quickly as we're allowed? The teacher here in Ecclesiastes 7 suggests that we don't. When death bears its ferocious teeth and presses up against us, the teacher tells us it's a good time to pause and consider the meaning of life under the sun. It's an appropriate time to do some serious soul-searching. Notice what the teacher says in the second part of verse 2. He says, "...there is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart." The living should take this to heart. That's right, brothers and sisters. Death isn't just the time for us to think about the one who has died. We certainly do that. And we need to. And we do well to. But death is also the time for us to consider our own lives. when death death casts its ugly shadow over our lives, that's when each one of us needs to stop and pray with Moses in Psalm 90 as we'll sing later. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Brothers and sisters, it is really death, isn't it? that poses the ultimate questions about life. That's what the teacher is getting at when he says in verse 1 that the day of death is better than the day of birth. He's not trying to be morbid. What he means is that death is a better teacher. The lessons of death are more factual and inescapable Than the lessons of birth. At the birth of a baby, we're happy. And we should be. We're excited. The brevity of life is is the furthest thing from our minds. There's too much to talk about. There's too much to celebrate. A new life has been born. But when someone dies, the facts are inescapable. When someone dies, there isn't much to say anymore. In fact, we usually don't know what to say. But there is much to learn. And this is what the teacher is getting at in verse 3, 2. There he says, "...sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart." He's not telling us all to wear sad faces from now on. To stay down in the doldrums and the dumps. But what He is saying is that the heart is, is in a better place in times of sorrow. That the heart is better situated in times of, of sorrow to grow wise. The heart grows wiser through sadness. The heart is put right by grief. Those who have looked death in the face can expect renewal. They can expect transformation to happen in their hearts. They can expect a deep catharsis of their inner life. If they are wise, that is. If they are willing to listen to the voice of God and His Son as He speaks to us also here in Ecclesiastes 7. Not everyone listens, of course. Not everyone listens to God and His Son The teacher acknowledges that in verse four. He says there, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. And by the heart, the teacher means attention, thoughts, musings. The musings of the wise are in the house of mourning. But the attention of the fool is in the house of pleasure. The fool, the one who hates God, he doesn't want to think about death. The fool doesn't want to know about death. He doesn't want to hear about it. The fool doesn't know what to do with himself in the house of mourning. Why? Because the fool is preoccupied with pleasure. He's only interested in devoting his attention to fun and laughter. But the wise person, the person who loves God, the person who believes in His Son, allows death to rouse him to thought and concern. He allows death to prick him. The wise person isn't afraid to enter the house of mourning. In fact, he willingly goes there to join those who mourn. The wise man... The wise woman, the wise boy and the wise girl weeps with those who weep. Why does the truly wise person do this? Why does the biblically wise person enter the house of mourning and see the benefit? The reason is, brothers and sisters, is that that person knows Christ who is our wisdom from God. The wise person remembers how Jesus entered the house of mourning. The wise person recalls how Jesus went to be with Mary and Martha as they grieved over the death of Lazarus. The wise recall how Jesus wept. Brothers and sisters, don't be afraid of the house of mourning. Don't be afraid to enter the mourning and the grieving of your brothers and sisters. When you go into the house of mourning, you will find your Savior there in all His mercy and compassion. When you go into the house of mourning, you will find grace there as we could hear this past week as well. It's in the house of mourning where you will hear the good news of salvation. Do you remember what Jesus said in the house of mourning at Lazarus' funeral? It was then and there in the house of mourning that Jesus made the most powerful declaration in all of human history. It was then and there in the house of mourning that Jesus preached the Gospel So it could be heard like never before when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Yes, brothers and sisters, it's in the house of mourning. That we most clearly hear Jesus' voice. And there he asks us, as surely as he asked Martha, do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? He who believes in Me will live even though he dies. Do you believe this? And whoever lives and believes in Me will never die, Jesus says to us. Do you believe this? And as we reply with Martha, Yes, Lord, I believe that You are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. He assures us that He's going to change our mourning into dancing. He assures us that He will remove our sackcloth, that He will clothe us with joy. Yes, it's in our house of mourning that He prepares us for the truest form, the highest form of joy. <coughs> Brothers and sisters, listen to what He said to His disciples shortly before leaving this earth. Listen to what He also says to us in our grief. In John chapter 16, verse 20 and following. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve. But your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. That's what our Savior says to us. And He can say that. For He has not only been in the house of mourning, he himself entered the realm of death. The ugly enemy named death attacked him with the gracious, with the greatest feroce, ferocity ever experienced by a human being. No other human being has been attacked by death like our Lord Jesus was. And it was not just death but also Satan the accuser and all his demons assaulted him with all their wicked fury. But our Lord Jesus Christ overcame them. He destroyed them. He emerged as the victor. Yes, brothers and sisters, our Lord Jesus Christ He takes everything in our meaningless lives. He takes everything that infuriates. He takes all those hard edges of our lives. And He promises to give us eternal joy in spite of them. And when we say meaningless... Then he says, come to me, and I will give you rest. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.